Welcome to Your Movie, My Movie with Dan and Steve. I'm Dan. And I'm Steve. Uh, this is a podcast where one of us picks a movie to watch and, and we discuss it together. Uh, in this episode, we're talking about one of my picks, the 1992 movie Free Jack, starring Emilio Estevez, Mick Jagger, <laughs> <laughs> Rene Russo, uh, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Bakes and David Johansson. Uh, it was written by Stephen Pressfield, Ronald, I'm taking a stab at this, Shusset, and Dan Gilroy, and was directed by Jeff Murphy. We will be talking about spoilers, so if you want to watch the movie first, now's the time to do so. But before we talk about the movie, Dan, who would you recommend this movie to? I would recommend this movie to mm, teenagers who want to see what the 90s were really like. (laughs) And to see what uh, people in the 90s thought the 2000s would be like. Yes. (laughs) Because this movie takes takes place in 2009. Uh And... um, yeah. It's a little different than 2009 turned out. Yeah, yeah. Just a tad. Just a little. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, actually, kind of. It's pretty accurate uh, in a way. We didn't have cars like that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did not have cars like that. We didn't have cars like that, but we had, you know, McCandles people. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Well, well, we have that now, of course. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get okay, to that. Okay. Steven, who would you recommend this movie for? Um, I would recommend this movie for people who want to see Mick Jagger giving it his all to steal a show that is not worth stealing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in an alternate timeline where this movie is a blockbuster, we would have gotten the Mick Jagger smash and action variety hour. <laughs> and, and I wish we lived in that timeline. <laughs> that would have been amazing. I would have loved to see Mick Jagger in more things. I know, right? <laughs> he steals the show in this movie. I don't know if he steals the show. Oh, no. He's the most... <laughs> he, he, he by far gives the most interesting, the, the best performance out of everybody. I think okay. so. I think right. so. Okay. I always paid attention when Mick Jagger was on screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He does have the presence. Uh-huh. Undeniably. Yeah. Well, the line delivery. <laughs> True. There's one that's like, oh, I wrote it down. <laughs> one of his first lines is, okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's his first line. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like so the first good. line in the movie. So. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all okay. So, <laughs> there are two things that are absolutely great about this movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't know when you want to talk about them. And it's the screenplay and it's the score. Yes. Um, well, also, the cinematography is great. Oh, you think so? I thought so. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so do you want to like talk about the plot of the movie, or do you want to talk about what's great about this first, movie? First, I <laughs> didn't actually mind this movie. I thought oh, it was uh, fine. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was pretty good. <laughs> I, en- 
enjoyed watching it. I wasn't bored. Uh-huh. Um, well, 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 let's go for a rundown about like what people think about this movie. Okay. You, you know, people kind of think it's... A... The people who have heard of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, this, this movie came out in 1992, and it was a box office bomb. And um, most of the actors since then have, you know, they, um, they're kind of ashamed of it. Uh, at the time, they kind of derided it, and I don't think Mick Jagger has done an on-screen performance in an acting role since this movie. What a shame. Yeah, I know! <laughs> we gotta, We gotta write a screenplay for him. Um, well, the thing is, is, but the Mick Jagger of the 1990s <laughs> is not the Mick Jagger of the 2020s, so... Sure, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's unfortunate. But I mean, he could still do voiceover roles. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we need to get him in some animated movies. I guess so. Mm-hmm. But what were you saying? Or, or everyone was like the voice of a computer? <laughs> like a Jarvis-type character? Yeah! That'd be cool. Have Mick Jagger as your Jarvis. You know hey, they, Mick Jagger as your Siri. You know what they should... Marvel should, like... So Marvel should have Paul Bettany. He's the voice of Jarvis. Or, or at least he was. He's also the actor for Vision. But what they should do is they should get Mick Jagger to be the voice for War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hardcore. And he is just like this character. <laughs> yeah. That'd be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gatling gun activated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Mm hmm. So, okay, what else do people think about this movie? Um, then it was a box office failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a box office bomb. Um, the actors didn't like it much. And, and so, like, this movie, it, you know, it, it, it's a cult movie, but it's a cult movie if you like bad movies. You know, it's, you know, people do know about this movie. But, like, it's mostly, if you're around in the 90s, mm -hmm. to watch it on HBO, like yeah. I did. Like, yeah. I watched this back when it was on HBO one, one time. <laughs> So, so this, is this the second time you watched it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. Huh. I didn't mind it that much. I didn't think it was I the know, worst. I it's, know. It's not that bad. No. No, it's a very middle movie. But maybe that's because my taste is being ruined slightly. I don't know. <laughs> I, well, I blame I you. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, no, 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 no. I'll take that blame. I'll take that blame. Well, I also think, like, another reason why it was a box office bomb is because, like, it went terribly over budget. Yeah, it looked like it. I yeah. can't believe... The, the, that was another amazing thing about this movie. The, the set design, the costume design, yeah. the, the on-screen on stuff was mm -hmm. amazing. The mise-en-scene. Yeah, yeah. The set design, it really reminded me a lot of, like, Demolition Man. Haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, a terrible, terrible shame. Terrible, terrible shame. There's so many great memes from that movie. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the set design reminded me of. I mean, I mean anything steampunk, mm -hmm. like like Blade Runner. Um, it honestly reminded me a little of Dune, just like the you know Dave Lynch's Dune. <laughs> <laughs> but in the fact that I feel like they had those those um I don't know what it's called, but where they have, I mean a compo a composite of two different shots. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you you can see like further back in the horizon, like it's I mean it's like a replacement of part of the image. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just looked really cool. But it you you can tell it's very like it's a style decision. I mean maybe you couldn't have necessarily picked it out when it first came out because you were because that was commonplace. That was the tools they used. But now mm -hmm. you mean for like a, a effect shot or like effect shot or even like 
like there's one shot where I think they're going up an elevator. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And like it's totally blue screen or whatever, but it yeah. still looks cool. Yeah, you know it. Th- that technology though, it was pretty. It was pretty nice because, like you know, now that I know how all that's done, you know, I keep an eye out for it. Mm-hmm. You can see in Emilio Estevez's hair, like between the strands of his hair, mm-hmm. you can still see, you know, what they <laughs> composited in. Yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of detail I look for. Yeah. <laughs> Because nowadays it's a lot tougher to, you know, uh, get those points, you know, in Premiere Pro or the other Adobe One After Effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because now what they would do is uh, instead of bothering with all that, they would have just made a CG a CGI version of his head <laughs> <laughs> and replaced it. Because you know that's kind of what they did for. I'm sure that's what they did for Orlando Bloom's character, uh, Legolas, in the Hobbit movies. Because mm. it's, it's cheaper to replace him with a full CGI model person yeah. than to like film his scenes and then put that in, composite that in with the other CGI. Like stuff. they do with the Avengers, they just have their faces. They replace everything with their faces. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's still insane to me. Well, <laughs> the movie that's most egregious about that is the Huntsman movies. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen those. They're the ones with uh, Chris Hemsworth. And the first one had Kara Knightley, I believe. Okay. But they also have oh, Shalise Theron. Oh, is that where she like bathes in milk? Um, I think so. Or gold. <laughs> but the point of it is, is like, you know, it's based off of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm-hmm. So what they did was, you know, they ha- they hired little people actors, mm-hmm. but they replaced their face. With, <laughs> they just replaced their face with, like, the guy from Hot Fuzz. Uh, Simon Pegg? The other one. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Frost? I think that's it. Yeah, Nick Frost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's insane. Yes. That reminds me of Little Man, the Wayne Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the movie you're talking about. I, I haven't seen it. That's that's another ex- example of egregious face and, replacement. And you talk to me about me ruining... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I watched that movie like okay a few months ago because my friends wanted me to see it. So okay, that's I didn't watch it on my own. Well, that's it, was, that's it had some funny parts. Okay, I it was also very creepy. It didn't age very well. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Mm-hmm. Anyways, anyways. So yeah, the effects for Free Jack, yeah. fantastic. Really, actually, like, and and it all looked like cohesive, like mm-hmm. the the style of the movie, the visual style. It all worked very, very well together, I thought. Mm, yeah. And I don't know. I thought it was pretty good looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I really enjoy, like, you know, the set design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you said it was steampunk. I think it's more cyberpunk. Mm. But, like, more... Yeah, my bad. You're right. more, like, cheap cyberpunk. <laughs> like Johnny Mnemonic is. Haven't seen it. I know. That will change. <laughs> yes. I'm excited to see it. That will change. But, I mean... It, I think that, but also like Demolition Man and Demolition Man, like that's. I mean, I don't think that's that's like post cyberpunk, but in like a different way, like utopian science, uh, utopian post cyberpunk, in much the same way as like Star Trek would be like post apocalyptic, like post post apocalyptic, mm-hmm. because that's about a utopian society. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, it's just so funny. It's like no matter in what future, you, like no matter. In what time period you're in, the future 
is always Kirby. Yes. <laughs> Good rule of thumb, everyone. It's always Kirby. I didn't think the... I think the worst... The weirdest thing was the cars. I think yeah. the cars look really weird. Um, but it's hard to... I mean, if you're going to have cars with wheels, then it's hard yeah. to dress them up any super differently from how they are. Well, I mean, you know, they're always curvier than what we're used to, and yeah. they always have the gold wing doors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason for us to watch Demolition Man because they're they're much the same. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, I feel like they just recycled the cars at this point. No, the, no, the no, 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 no. I thought of that, but um, they didn't because the cars look so different. They look so different. I mean, but I mean, you know, the cars uh, of this one they also kind of remind me of Total Recall. The original yeah. Total Recall, mm-hmm. because in that one, you know, they had the Johnny Cab, <laughs> yes, and there was like that pod in front with the robot that drove it, mm-hmm. and in this one, there's like, you have the cab for the passenger in the back, and then completely outside of that, like outside, mm-hmm. <laughs> is the driver. So it's like I, but I guess you know that's what the little laptop is there for, <laughs> so they can communicate back and forth from each other. Interesting. You know I mean? Okay. Yeah. Well, like like the driver's side is mm-hmm. in front and open air, and uh, not connected to the passenger cab. I'm trying to think of what you're talking about because I'm thinking about the cab in the beginning when he's like, "Yo, taxi!" and it's a guy who tries. Oh, oh no, no, no! I'm thinking watch. about the one where Boone drives. The bodyguard, yeah. yeah, the bodyguard drives Rene Russo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Got you. I didn't pay that much attention to the car. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. That's fair. Uh, that would make sense, though. The, the laptops are how they communicate. Well, do you want to talk about the best car in this movie? The best car in this movie? The Bollinger Champagne delivery car? Oh, yes. <laughs> the station wagon. That was a hardcore. That was am- you died when that happened. That was amazing. Is this your truck? Ugh. The company is, what do you say? Is this the company's truck? I don't know. I I just saw that big hulky thing with that big, you know, that shell, you know, with with the Bollinger. And it's so funny. It's like oak wood shells. (laughs) Yeah. Weigh like 700 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like something out of the 70s. Uh (laughs) But but it carries champagne Mm -hmm. to like this condo. (laughs) Yes. You know, this dystopian future. Where it's dropping off champagne. I'm like, oh, yeah. You you would need to bring a shitload of champagne and just drop it off and have it delivered into a, you know, a condo like that where all the, you know, elites live in. Yeah, that makes total sense to me now. It does. It does make sense. It doesn't make the sense that it would be in a 70s station wagon. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, they deliver it like they deliver water. <laughs> oh, the champagne man's here again, honey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder if they have like a special like thing where they like take the wa- the bottle and they dump it real quick, and then you just you know <laughs> put your, <laughs> your wine glass in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, with yeah. The water bottles. <laughs> yeah, with, like the dispenser, a champagne dispenser. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. It would be. Why don't we have that now? I don't know. Our future got stolen. It's the future already. Come <laughs> we, on, we, we guys. Don't have any fun cars. And we don't have, you know, upside down champagne bottle. And we don't have <laughs> spiritually ascended bodies that can replace our brains yet. Come on. Well, well that's because we wouldn't be able to, to well, afford actually, them anyway. So. We don't know. We could. That is true. <laughs> we could. That is true. Could be a bunch of billionaires just walking around amongst us. Mm-hmm. Although, I'm, those are all the rude people in line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Using time travel to 
That's 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 <laughs> Rockefeller, you know. Mm-hmm. He's just you know, yeah, a teenager now. <laughs> yeah, a teenager who would have died, but mm-hmm. anyways, but, but Mick Jagger, <laughs> Mick Jagger saved pulled him, him, pulled him out of time. <laughs> Mick Jagger snatched him from the grips of mm-hmm. oblivion because that's what Bone Jackers do. That's what Mick Jagger does. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> Sir Mick Jagger. You know, he got knighted. I think, I think so. Mm-hmm. Anyways, anyways. What I liked about this movie okay. was, I mean, Emilio Estevez, I've, uh, you know, watching his, all these performances of him, mm-hmm. he acts. Yeah. He acts. Mm-hmm. He's not, he doesn't have a big range, I wouldn't say. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think he has a good enough range because, like, the thing is, um, because we haven't watched all those movies, like, have you seen Young Guns? No. See, he plays a very different character, a little bit of a different character in Young, Young Guns. He plays a very different character in Men at Work, which we will see sooner or later. And then there's the Mighty Ducks. There's nothing. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit of Mighty Ducks because Alex Furlong, his character, this is a bit of an asshole. Hmm. But, but he kind of stays an asshole and, you know, it's a good I, thing for him <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Whereas he needs a redemption arc in Mighty Ducks. I mean, he's an asshole in Repo Man, too. That's true. Mm-hmm. But everybody's an asshole in that movie. That's true. Yeah. Anyways, I just mean that I don't know. I don't see like a, a ton of emotion from him in depths. Of oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> as far as his performances, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he does the job. Yeah, he's yeah, he's softwood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a wooden actor, but it's a soft. What you, you I know, think, like yeah, he's he, he gets the job done. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. It's a good analogy, I think. He shouldn't yell. He shouldn't be in roles where he has to yell. <laughs> what, does he yell in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's uh, on the surgery table, he's like, what kind of hospital is this? What kind of hospital is this? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he shouldn't yell. Like, like, he can't be in roles where, where he has to yell. Because it doesn't sound convincing? Yeah, it doesn't sound convincing. Yeah. So. Well, again, I think he did a good job in this. But he wasn't, his character wasn't the most interesting part to me. No, 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 it's no. It's all the side characters who have mm-hmm. these wonderful, interesting little moments. I think that's what really brings this movie up. Mm-hmm. And the, my favorite part of the whole movie is the rat, river rat cook. Oh, yeah, yeah, Frankie, uh, Frankie Faison. Faison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who we, we can get to that later if you want. In Maximum Overdrive. Yes, the goblin yep. truck driver. Yeah, 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 and he was also he's he also plays Barney in the Hannibal Lecter movies. He mm. also was in Manhunter, oh, which was uh, the adaptation of Red Dragon before Silence of the Lambs. Mm. He was also in Trading White Places, Ch- White Chicks. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. Frankie Faison gets around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. The- <laughs> that was such an interesting bit. That was <laughs> in, in, in this movie. He's, because basically Emilio Estevez, he sees how far America has fallen in the what I guess uh, ten years, eighteen, eighteen. Okay, eighteen years. I can't do math. No, uh, I just remember because she said it. Okay, okay, that's fair. In the eighteen years, and he's like, you know, what does it all come? You know, is it worth it anymore? I think that's what he asks himself. Yeah, is it all worth it anymore? And then Frankie Faison. <laughs> Goes on this parable about this eagle who gets who goes through all these hardships to get food for his children, and then right when he's about to get there, there are two X's in his eyes, just like in the cartoons, and he falls dead. 
You know, have you seen an eagle do that? No. That's because the eagle's got too much self-respect. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Emilio Estevez finds his to carry on through this adventure. Yes. <laughs> he riddles me. The ancient riddle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I, I, I just thought it was, I was... I like that bit. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the part where I think it's like... I mean, it's, it shows that this movie has some sort of themes. Mm. Not that it actually delves into them very much, but... Well, the, funny thing, the funniest thing about that is when Boone, uh, Rene Russo's bodyguard, mm-hmm. he is, like, escorting him, mm-hmm. like, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell if it's... I, I can't remember if it's to McCandles or if it's not. No, he's, he's escorting him to the boat. Okay, to escape the route, which McCandles has supposedly arranged. Okay, okay, that's why. Okay, that, okay. And so Boone is like, yeah, man, you're a hero. You're a hero to my grandma. You're a hero, hero to the 8 million people here. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know they're trying to get, you know, these people are downtrodden and he's a rebel and he's sticking it to, you you know, the 1% by being on the run for so long, but it's like, we don't we don't see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't see the, the people being treating him as a hero. Yeah, we only see that um in that bar. <laughs> yes. Yes. Where he runs right and they're like, Furlong, 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 furlong. Yeah. That's it. I mean I could see it happening, mm-hmm. but I don't we don't see it. It's not shown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not That's adequately fair. depicted mm-hmm. as being that epic in scale. <laughs> yeah. I think this movie is good it's just like it's not it doesn't have the heart that like strange days had yeah or blade runner or any sci-fi i mean i don't know i i don't think the problem is the heart i think um i think it doesn't play up to the premises that it wants to play up to because you know the premise here is that there's these dystopian mega corporation Mm -hmm. and like they're so filthy rich they can steal people's body back in time from right before they're supposed to die so their wealthy can be virtually immortal. Yeah. And so, like, that's the big thing. Mm-hmm. But they don't... But the movie's not about those things. <laughs> the movie yeah. is about this guy who has been snatched out of time and is now on the run from bounty hunters and bone jackers. You know, yeah. while... And he's trying to figure out what's going on. I think what would have been interesting is if we would have followed a character like his old handler, his old manager. What is his name again? Bruce? Uh, Brad. Brad. Played by... Hold on. <laughs> played by played by David Johansson, who is also known by the stage name Buster Poindexter of... You know, who made the song fame... Who made the famous song Hot, Hot, Hot. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know Buster Poindexter, but I know the name. Yeah, he was in the New York Dolls, which apparently is a proto-punk and early punk uh, oh, band. Oh, he was in... Oh. Yeah. Okay. I've listened to them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he was... All, he also played the Ghost of Christmas Past in Scrooged. Ah, I haven't mm-hmm. seen that one. Okay. Well, that's a mainstream movie, and, you know, it's fun. It's yeah, fun. it looks like a good one. It's Bill mm-hmm. Murray, right? Yeah. But anyways, I think it would have been interesting mm-hmm. if almost he had been the main character, and then he has to, like, sort of deliver... He has to sort of go through a hero arc where he decides to change and, and, and save 
humanity by you know i don't know doing something brad yeah but your poindexter yeah <laughs> i don't know like like we a side character mm-hmm. who, well, I mean, who gets delivered this this miracle of this mm-hmm. escaped free jack mm-hmm. who is in a position of the, a pivot of power it would have been interesting as well, a sort of guide into the world i don't know okay i think if the movie should have followed any other character uh-huh. should have followed no, no we haven't gotten to the nun <laughs> sorry, sorry 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 i cut you off go ahead we'll talk about how nun... let's not forget to talk about how great the nun is we're not gonna forget okay <laughs> i'm, well, I'm mine because i'm talking about mick jagger i'm not gonna forget okay uh, mick jagger you follow oh. mick jagger's character Interesting. about this guy <laughs> you know he's a guy mm-hmm. he's he, he's basically a mercenary who protects the actual machines that you know snatch the people out of time yeah. this is just his job <laughs> yeah but you know he's doing it because hey he needs the money you know it's like nothing was personal with him yeah you know he just wants to do a good job he wants to do what he's hired to do Interesting. you know and so he's caught between the the, the powerful elite who want this unethical thing to keep them immortal mm-hmm. he's caught between them and you know the people and you know the victims of the elite whose bodies they take so mm-hmm. he's the one with the big ethical questions the the, the ethical Columbus. conflict there yeah. yeah interesting yeah interesting i just wanted to see more of the down and dirty effects of the the super rich and the super poverty mm-hmm. you know well, I mean, not, that, that's not the right way of saying it, but you know. What I mean. Well, that's how you could explore it by him dealing with these ultra wealthy clients, mm-hmm. and then getting down in the muck to chase after the free jacks. But then that movie would be called Bone Jackers, <laughs> which would be amazing. It yeah. sounds so cool. Although, I mean, <laughs> Bone Jackers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it took me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> You can come up with a different word. Well, I mean, you, the title would still be Free Jack. Jackers. What about no, that? No, no, no. no, the title would still be Free Jack, but there are different Free Jacks with every episode, because I think this, is, this should be a TV show. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Could pitch it. That'd be cool. Yeah, right? Free you Jack know, the TV show. To all our Hollywood friends, you could pitch it to all the people that we know in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we'd have to get the rights to Free Jack, so it depends on how, how, how much they're willing to... To sell these TV rights for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's always fun to think about retooling movies as far as what characters you could actually follow. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's hard to make a movie. It's hard to write a movie. And you never know if that would actually be better or not. Yeah. Yeah. Until you write it and see it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this movie stood up as well to like Strange Days or Blade Runner or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not as bad as you thought it would be. No, definitely okay. not. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. I thought it was going to be crap. Uh-huh. But I guess it makes sense because this was an A movie. And so the production value was there. And you had Hollywood experts working on this movie. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't... Even if the the themes weren't super elevated, mm-hmm. the making of the film was pretty... Not elevated, but artistically done by experts in the field so like the script is 
got some wonderful lines in there. Oh, oh my god. And and you know the dialogue in this movie yeah. is incredible. Yes. <laughs> it's got some of the best lines in all of cinema. <laughs> oh, could I, could I, I wrote one down. Okay. When they're trying to revive Emilio Estevez after they just jacked him or whatever, uh-huh. the, the, like, the paramedic is like, I wouldn't want to dance to it, but it's a pulse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Let's see. Um, it was a slip of the tongue. And then Emilio, Rene Russo says the line, it was a slip of the tongue. And then Emilio Estevez says, I like that slip. I like that tongue, too. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was great. And it was natural. I like your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of that exact thing when I heard that. I was like, Steven's going to love that. <laughs> nibble my ear. For luck. <laughs> uh, that was a little bit... Inter- that was interesting. Get the mate. <laughs> yes, get the meat. Yes. I wrote that down too. Oh, man. Um, I knew... Uh, the thing is, though, like... It's so being like an avid movie watcher. It's like mm-hmm. I get sick of the devices. Yeah. Because like I knew as soon as you said nibble my ear and you like made a big deal of it and she was like, oh no no I don't want to. That's weird. I was like that's gonna be in the end. Yeah. That's gonna be mm-hmm. the end. I was just waiting for it the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. What, oh, what other lines do we have? Where, where, where was, where, oh, where the was, nun. The nun, like one of her first words. Holy shit. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, and so the, the shot, the shotgun nun, mm-hmm. as I like to call her, the shot nun, <laughs> is played by Amanda Plummer. I need to see what else she, what else is uh, she, she is Christopher Plummer's daughter. Christopher Plummer oh. from The Sound of Music mm-hmm. and Star Trek VI, among many other movies. Yeah. But she played Honey Bunny in Pulp Fiction, and she was also in So I Married an Axe Murderer. That's where I know her the most from. But she's uh, been in a ton of stuff. Oh, she's been in a ton of things. Yeah, she right now she's playing in she's playing on in Picard, the Star Trek. Oh. Yeah, as the big villain. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's hardcore. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Anyways, and and so uh, yeah, her character is amazing in this. Yeah, yeah, and, and Emilio Estevez, he snuck into the church just to have a place of sanctuary, mm-hmm. and then he wakes up, and then Amanda Plummer in her nun outfit walks down, and <laughs> she you know pulls out her shotgun, and you know they talk, and Emilio Estevez goes, "What is it they called me? Pathetic? <laughs> <laughs> a free jack? Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> Don't sister me. Uh, Another great line of hers. Uh, Sometimes I wonder if the good Lord has forsaken us all to be letting this kind of shit go on. (laughs) (laughs) But but the absolute best is when Jonathan Banks uh, has captured her and, you know, is trying to rough her up to get information. So he slaps her and she in she responds by giving him a punch in the balls. Yes. (laughs) And she goes. The good Lord says to turn the other cheek, but he never really had to deal with dickheads like you. (laughs) So that's the caliber of dialogue in the script. It's incredible. I fucking love it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Whichever one of those three screenwriters wrote those lines. Yeah. Well, so the the movie has a story by, gives a story by credit to Mm -hmm. Stephen Pressfield and Ronald Shusset. 
So I think those two were the original writers of the script, and then mm -hmm. they brought Dan Gilroy in to maybe punch it up. Yeah, that's, um, what, that's what I'm thinking. And also, Dan Gilroy is Rene Russo's husband. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah, and they're still married to this day, I believe. Oh, wow. What else, yeah. what else he's written? I think he was the writer and maybe director of Nightcrawler, in fact. No way. The, like the, the movie? Yeah, I, with the the movie, you know the um yeah, where he's the reporter or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he was the writer and director of Nightcrawler. Oh wow! Um, he was the story writer for Real Steel. He wrote The Bourne Legacy, Kong Skull Island. So, huh. oh, three episodes of Andor. Wow, that's really interesting. Okay, yeah. so I mean. There were talented people writing the script. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Now, you know, I don't know which of them wrote that dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> but whoever it was, that was incredible dialogue, and I thank you for it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. The world thanks you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think what else I was going to say. <sighs> mm -hmm. I lost it. Okay, no worries. No worries. So, oh, there's another line. Okay, you keep looking at me, you'll see me kill you. <laughs> I love the line. That's great. Yeah, they. Well, I mean, I just love, I just love the the, the back and forth that Mick Jagger and Emilio Estevez had in that chase. Yes, <laughs> where Mick Jagger was talking to him through the laptop, mm -hmm. and then Emilio Estevez would close the laptop, and then the laptop would automatically pop up it yes. <laughs> for Mick Jagger to. To rag on his ass again. <laughs> yes. This it's it's great that they live in a future where they still can't escape cyberbullying. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. I did love though the freaking car chases in this movie. Yeah. Like half the movie is a car chase. I mean, it makes sense because of the character yeah. of um, what is his name, Alex Furlong, mm -hmm. is a race car driver. So it's yeah. it's cool. I like how they use his character to like make these awesome set pieces and like. There's a mm -hmm. lot of cool car chases in this movie. Like it reminded yeah. me when he gets on the dirt bike. It reminds me of like the Born mm -hmm. uh, dirt bike um, chase. I don't know. I just thought I, I'm a I'm a sucker for a good car chase. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of interest set pieces that I liked. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I honestly didn't know what was going to happen when he's on the bridge. And that was an, oh, a yeah. nice surprise. He <laughs> just jumps another, off. That's not a great line. He, he jumps off into one, one of the rivers in New York. Mm -hmm. And um, what is it Mick Jagger says? Uh, if he takes one swallow of that water, I'm out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, yeah, and uh, I just want to go through the great lines. I do too, but like, I don't, yeah, you Marmaduke-looking moron. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta keep that one loaded. I gotta keep that one loaded. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he acted. Uh, you know, David Johansson. He was great in this movie. Yeah, I thought he was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's so funny because, like, you know, at the beginning, you see him, like, real well dressed up as the manager, you know, in mm -hmm. a sleek business outfit, and, you know, his hair slicked back. And then you find him, you know, see him 18 years later, and he's like, you know, his skin's all gray, <laughs> and he's just grubby looking. Mm -hmm. And he looks exactly like the character he looked like 
in um, playing the Ghost of Christmas Pass and Scrooge. Like, it's uncanny. <laughs> he reminded me of the taxi driver of from um, Heavy Metal or something. Like, heavy yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I like, I did get those kind of vibes in this movie, you know, with the dystopia and stuff like that. Yeah. When Alex Furlong was going through the the area where there's like a lot of poor people, mm-hmm. uh, I think this was after Frankie Face on part. That really reminded me of the beginning of They Live. You know, the I'm, John Carpenter movie. I know it. I haven't seen it. Okay, okay. That's the one with all the propaganda, right? Yeah, yeah, the subliminal messaging. The ideology, yeah. to quote. Yeah. What is his face? Have you, have you watched um, that, that one philosopher, the Slav Zizek, whatever? I don't think so. He's really interesting. Anyways, okay. he had like a whole, a whole dissection of that. Of what? Of uh, They Live. It was just, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, okay. I'll send I'll it to you. Out. Okay. I'll have to watch They Live soon. Yeah, I would love to. Okay. But uh, how did we get there? Forget. I, we were talking about something, and then I started talking about David Johansson. Yes, You're the reminder of the the the, the poor people in the scene brought yeah. you to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like again the the atmosphere of a good a good cyberpunk movie really uh, bathes in the atmosphere. I think this movie mm-hmm. did that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And again, just the way everything looked was fantastic. Like the lighting was wonderful. You had like when he's in the church. He was laying down by the altar, and you have these like wonderful heavenly rays <laughs> yeah, of light. Yeah, and then he gets up, and she's like, "What are you doing here?" You know, yeah. it's, it's like a lovely contrast. But there's so much. Just the light was just beautiful in this movie. Yeah, the lighting was great in this movie for sure. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like, wonderful. I liked it. I mean, I mean, the whole cinematography. You know, that was just the part of it that I was noticing. But one other thing I wanted to talk about was. Jonathan Banks? Yeah, Jonathan Banks. He's great. He's great. Yeah. I mean, he's always great. But <laughs> but he doesn't get enough roles. You, you, you know, like, I don't think he's ever really been a leading man, you, yeah. you know? But, like, when he has a role, and it's, it, I mean, you know, it's kind of a shame because, like, most of the time, he just plays supporting roles because, like, the main things that I've seen him in, was, he was in 48 Hours, and he was in it for a minute. He played a tough cop, and, and then he was also in... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, mm. where he played the bodyguard for the bad guy. Mm. And so, like, those are the two big things I've seen him in. But I know he's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, he's one of those actors that, like, he's one of those actors, like, from the, the 50s and mm. stuff, where you have these, like, these wonderful stock mm. actors who will just... Character actors. Character actors. Yeah. 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 They'll just play the heavy, but they'll play the hell out of any heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he's in Community. Have you seen his character in Community? I, I, I haven't watched Community. It's great. He's, like, this, like, like terrifying mysterious teacher anyways well he, he he's actually in an episode of deep space nine yeah 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 we're so there's this planet and there's like these weapon satellites mm-hmm. that destroy any ships that orbit it and so crew of deep space nine didn't know and it got too close in those so they got shot down so like he's part of this war tribe but the thing is is like there's a nanites in the atmosphere so Whenever one of them dies, the nanites bring them back to life again, but they can't leave the planet. Mm. And so it's like, he, he, he looks like something out of the Road Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Where he has like these, you know, badass, you know, like shoulder pads with spikes on them. Uh-huh. And I, he has like one side of his head is bald, while the other side is just a long and black. Hell and, yeah. I, and I think, you know, like he has scars on his face. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. I want to see it. Yeah, it's a good, it's a great episode. 
I'm Pretty glad he's getting more recognition with Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that he was able to get those roles, even in his later years, mm-hmm. to show just how great of an actor he really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, that one, one thing I wanted to, like, I don't know what I wanted to say about it, but when he shows up in the end, like, <laughs> there's like this just awesome shot. What is his name? Freaking Estevez, whatever. Mm-hmm. Estevez is just about to... He's, like, fighting with Anthony Hopkins to retain control of his brain. Right. And then Jonathan Banks' character just shows up, and he's, like, this masked in shadow as, like, the um, the aperture... It's like a James Bond um, <laughs> yeah. tunnel, but it just opens up, and it's just, like, this freaking gorgeous, awesome shot of Jonathan Banks just all bloody and just, like, just brooding, looking at them, and it's just... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just love that shot. I was yeah. like, oh, snap. It was like a, uh, was it like a, um, what do you call it? Reveal? No, no, no. A cubic glare. Cubic glare. I don't know what that is. Oh, a cu- yeah, 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 yeah. Well, kind of. Sort of. It was also just like, just this cool reveal. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what his it facial expression was. Yeah. I don't remember what his facial expression was, but it was, yeah, it was basically like a cubic glare. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the funniest bit of acting he did was when he got hit in the ball. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I was about to say earlier, I was like, he sort of only has one facial expression. And then I, in my mind, I was like, no, no, he doesn't. We saw another facial expression in this movie. He, did it, he does his best. He does his best. And I think it works for the comedy. It you know? works. It was a little much, I felt like. But I don't well, know. Yeah, it was yeah. also great. You got to ease the tension a bit. You know, that's what the, that's the only reason why that scene's in there is to ease the tension for a bit. Because... She doesn't come back later, you know, and she doesn't give them any information, and we don't know what happens to her, so she just disappears after that point. That's true. So the only reason why this thing's there is so that we can make fun of Jonathan Banks getting shot in the nuts. <laughs> he gets slapped and shot in the nuts. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. he's really... So um, I just recently found this out, but uh, one of Jonathan Banks' early roles, apparently, was for, like, an educational video from like an educational movie from like the 60s or the 70s okay and <laughs> and so you know so he plays like a teenager and he's there mm-hmm. with his teenage girlfriend and they're bowling right mm-hmm. and he's like hey you know you you're, you're starting to be a good bowler why why you're starting to beat me you know how come you're such a good bowler all of a sudden she's like well i just got my period <laughs> What? <laughs> it's an educational video about <laughs> you know for for women, teenage girls when they get their menstruation cycle going, uh-huh. you know when they hit puberty, they become and, good bowlers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, this was written by men in the seventies, so maybe that's what they thought. You know, I mean, there's that trope, you know, where women. You know, when women come into their power, it's through puberty, mm. you know, you know, like when they come of age and then, you know, they get all these rich craft powers and, you know, uh, those kind of things. Uh. So, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of their secret witch powers is bullying. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. <sighs> I believe it. Okay. I, believe, I believe all women have the secret ability to bowl mm. better than any man. Well, you know, I'm just going to chalk it up to the feminine mystique. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> what 
What is I, I, I in high school we studied the Epic of Gilgamesh. Uh-huh. And um there's like a line where she, there's like a woman who basically seduces this wild beast of a man and she teaches him the way of the women or whatever the way of the woman or I forget what the exact line is, but my mm-hmm. uh teacher was like I wonder what that really means. Like, I don't know. It's just an interesting, it is really random aside that I brought up, but mm. I was always like, what does that even mean? It's just mm. weird. I don't know. I mean, you know, having not researched it at all, I would think it might be, I mean, it's like, it's, it's gender roles and maybe gender roles, gender roles, maybe, but also the sort of, yeah, I guess gender roles. Well, I saw this thing on Reddit just said it just today, actually. Where they were talking about an ancient sumer, I think, and a woman, a woman was the ruler, mm. but she was the king, and they re- referred to her in her role as king using male pronouns. So when she acted as the king, mm. they called her him. They used mm. he him pronouns for that, and not only that, but when they cast the coins under. His, her reign, mm-hmm. uh, under the reign of the queen who's the king, they, they gave her image a beard. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And, and, there, and there was also a story where, you know, there was a man who did, I, th- I think he was like a, uh, he did like strategy or something, mm-hmm. which was a traditionally woman thing to do. Mm. So they used female pronouns for him in that role. And they didn't bring it up, you know, they, they didn't explain it, because if you brought it up, it'd be insulting to them. It's just the way their culture worked. Huh. Yeah. That was really interesting. Very interesting. So, no. Free Jack. Free Jack. <laughs> Sorry, I'm terrible with transitions, mm-hmm. but that is an interesting aside. Uh-huh. I don't know why or how we got to there. Uh, Jonathan Banks. Talking about. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that was a Brian Banks is a wonderful actor. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. And he does a wonderful job at getting kicked in the balls. Yeah, for sure. That was so funny, though, whenever, like... And just taking shit all throughout this movie. Yes! <laughs> so, like, freaking Furlong and, uh, what is his, uh, girlfriend's name in the movie? Julie. Julie. Mm-hmm. They freaking... He lets them off the hook. Yeah. I mean, supposedly. He's like, you're free to go, because I'm going to take over McCandle's body or whatever. And yeah. then they slaps him in the face. Mm-hmm. I was just like, boy, yeah. <laughs> y'all dumb as hell. Yeah, he got slapped in the face, he got punched in the balls, and then he got shot up by Mick Jagger. I just mean, like, he could kill them easily, so yeah. why are they slapping him in the face? Well, then the story wouldn't go on. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, well, it's because he put her through all that pain and turmoil, and he also was trying to kill Emilio Estevez before Mick Jagger could grab him yeah. so Anthony Hopkins can steal his body. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know why yeah. she slapped him. Yeah. But I was just like, it doesn't matter. But then he changes his matter. mind as the elevators go down. Yeah, I don't know if he ever changed his mind. Well, that's true, too. That's true, too. But anyways, mm-hmm. I did like the bit. I mean, it's, a, you know, a twist, it's a plot mm-hmm. twist. But I like that um, in the end, we find out Mick Jagger didn't care that 
you yeah. know, Furlong wasn't McCandles yeah. <laughs> anymore. He just like he just wanted Banks gone. Yeah, yeah. I well, he, cool. he he was tired. Like he didn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> he liked them, you know. Yeah, he he, he liked any of the guys. He it's did. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll stick around. And he, I'm probably... getting paid anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about, you mentioned the part where Anthony Hopkins and Emilio Estevez, they do the mind transference, right? Yes. Did you notice that the device they used was shaped like a jack? What's <laughs> like, like the, the, the jack from... Oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pointy. It's pointy up and down, and then it's got four things with the, with the balls at the end. That's so cool <laughs> and weird. And like the top of the building, it looks like a jack because, you know, there's yeah. the top of the tower and then there's the four things with the balls at the end. Uh-huh. And that's where the ending takes place at. That's cool. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I like it. I thought it was cool. It's nice when it's people... It's a little on the nose. <laughs> I like when people make things interesting shapes instead of uninteresting shapes. Okay. I'll say that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's valid. That's valid. And I liked that when they were walking through the tunnel, it was like this cool, like, mirror, mm-hmm. this ring of mirrors. I don't know. There's a, cool, there a lot of cool shots in this movie. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I like when they're walking into the lobby and you see their feet walking, but you also see in the reflection of the marble all the soldiers. Mm-hmm. That was also really cool. Yeah, very cool. Also, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Very cool. Yeah, um, well, I mean, like, the sequence where they're in the virtual reality of Anthony Hopkins' oh, mind. so cool! Okay. Ah, it's so cool. I, well, I'm a sucker for that, because mm-hmm. that stuff as a kid I used to love, and it used to freak me out in a weird way, because it's like, whoa, what is reality? And give me a sort of an existential crisis. Uh-huh. And I, it still well, you're worked. a fan of Philip K. Dick. So. I'm, I love Philip K. Dick. I love things that make me question reality and, and, and make me feel weird mm-hmm. and freaked out a little bit uh-huh. and this i mean it's very it's very sort of the the device of the visual effect of like that tunnel that you go through and anyway, it's in every like yeah. 80s yeah. and 90s movie um, oh it's definitely in the 90s movies yes uh, i can point some out to you like uh it kind of happens in johnny mnemonic mm-hmm. and it definitely happens in virtuosity which is an early movie with uh russell crow mm. and philadelphia um Tom Hanks, no, the other one. denzel washington denzel washington yeah mm. yeah denzel washington and and russell crow uh mm. it's yeah it's an early russell crow vehicle where he plays he plays the virtual he, he plays the the artificial intelligence that was birthed by com- computerized recreations of the minds of all these serial killers and madmen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's genius. We we may watch that movie. That sounds, <laughs> sounds kind of cool. Dumb, but kind of cool. It's very dumb and it's very cool. So I was thinking when I saw the visual, like, you know, like the tunnel of this show I used to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we got it on Netflix TV or what, but um, it was, I think it's called Sliders. I know sliders. Yes, where they slide. I watched. I watched that. I watched the premiere episode when that came out on Fox. I liked it as a kid. I mean, I I got tired of it after like the first two seasons or whatever. But well, there were a lot of behind the scenes problems in that show, so that's why it got bad. But I think they're they're they're, they're going to try to do a revival show of it soon. Huh. That was a fun show. I remember as a kid, but I, I remember specifically that that tunnel effect and it changed as the show went on 
it got like updated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always enjoyed it. It's always a fun, fun visual thing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be anything super crazy and it's still cool. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved it. And I love that sort of, um, they're on like a sort of barren planet, but the, the sky is replaced mm-hmm. with something else. Well, with the um, fast time lapse of the, of the clouds going by. Yeah. They always do that. <laughs> it's cool. If it, if it ain't broke. Yeah, that, that's true. But also, you know, you should try and find your new visual ideas instead of repeating <laughs> old ones. Mm-hmm. But in a uh, movie like this. Huh? Well, what, what I liked about that scene in regards to, to that was when Emilio Estevez realized that Anthony Hopkins was stalling him for time. And then you see the aperture open up so that Mick Jagger could walk into the could walk into the virtual reality chamber. Mm-hmm. So there's that portal that opens up that leads out into real space. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like the you know the holodeck on Star Trek: The Next Generation yeah. <laughs> when the door is open and then you see the hallway from outside. Yes, even though like inside it's the middle of the forest. So it's cool. That was fun. <laughs> it reminds me of. Um... The Star Trek movie where they're on the planet where God is. Um, oh, Star Trek Five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, like my favorite frontier. Yeah, that's like my favorite scene. As a kid, I was like, again, I loved that, having existential crisis as mm-hmm. a kid. So, that's an interesting movie to bring out. <laughs> yeah, we should watch that one. I I have fond memories of it. I would love. Well, hey, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. If we're gonna watch one. You know, Star Trek original movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we have to watch them all. And we have to watch them all in order. Okay. Which I'm willing to do. Are you willing to do? I don't know. Okay. I'd have to find a replacement. I mean. A, we, a challenging, you know, a challenger. That oh, I would okay. Contrast with. You okay. Know okay. Okay. That's fine. Because the thing is, I mean, you know, we don't have to watch Star Trek five. We can watch Star Trek five as a standalone. But we really shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would hurt your brain too much in your heart. I mean, I'd just be going, oh man, but what about but Star Trek 1? Star Trek 2? Mm-hmm. Star Trek 3? Mm-hmm. Star Trek 4? Star Trek 6? <laughs> because the thing is, Star Trek 5, it's the worst one. <laughs> the original one. Mm-hmm. And that's the one you want to watch. <laughs> and it, it breaks my heart. That's okay. Okay. I, we, we can maybe watch all of them. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just so many movies in the world. I, I, I understand. I understand. And we can't watch them all. I understand. We, we, we can, well, we can watch Star Trek V. We can watch Star Trek V. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's okay. No, 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 it's okay. no, 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 no. It's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I, th- I think it'd be fun because, you know, watch them out of order. It's fine. <laughs> I am open, keyword open, okay. Okay. to the idea of watching them. No, no, we'll, we'll just watch Star Trek V. I don't, it's not, I'm not going to pick it. It's not going to be my pick. It's not, well, it has to be your pick. But anyway, because <laughs> I'm not going to pick Star, Star Trek Five, I'll pick something else. But the thing is, is I was thinking, well, you know, maybe we could watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but only the good ones, because that would be one, two, three, and then Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Mm. So that's only four. So, but Nightmare on Elm Street's very mainstream, and I don't it's, care. It's also been talked about. I don't care what you pick. Okay, I'm not going to pick Episode Five. I was just talking about the. You scene know that what I'm you're like. doing. <laughs> Yes, yes, and you can do whatever you want, and I'll okay. watch whatever movies you pick. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so Star Trek Five and Free Jack. Yeah, I just love that that sort of feeling of the being desolate on a desolate planet mm-hmm. and a and a reality that's not reality, and it's cool. 
I, I enjoyed those devices in movies. I enjoy whenever 2001 A Space Odyssey when they're in a freaking dreamland. Yeah. It's cool. Mm-hmm. No matter if it, the movie isn't the best movie ever, it's still mm-hmm. cool. A lot of people think it is the, the, the best movie ever. I'm oh, I was talking about Free Jack. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about 2001. 2001 was pretty good. Um, I'd rather watch Free Jack. <laughs> That's fair. I understand. It's pretty long. It's, it's And it's slow and it's very quiet. Oh yeah. my god, is it quiet? <laughs> nice and quiet. Relaxing movie. No, I have to watch the screen <laughs> and see nothing happening. <laughs> and then it takes so long, I can't connect what things are important or not. It's, a, it's an experience. <laughs> it's a ride. It's not a ride. It's not a ride. It's a slow it's walk a- <laughs> in an existential park in the evening. It's a... <laughs> you know what kind of ride it is? It's, you know, like you know, it's coming. It's the President's Hall of Fame at the Disney. No, 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 no. It's worse than that. It's like when when your grandparents get too old to walk up the stairs, <laughs> so they have to install that chair that you know slowly slides up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Thing is, is like you do that, but it's for a skyscraper. <laughs> you live on the you know the two hundredth floor, so you have to ride that little chair all the way up to the 200th floor. I disagree. That's the kind of ride 2001 A Space Odyssey is. Okay, but it's scenically beautiful. Yeah, but I mean, but there's no motion. <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's no motion. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. I mean... Agree to disagree. That, that's, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> what? I'm going to recut that movie like I did for my Mopix 2 movie. You're going to recut just, that movie like you did we're, with we're, my movie? Um, no, 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 not your movie, but with my movie, um, where it's just the stills. <laughs> and then I'll just do the dialogue, and it won't be any different. You should just recut the whole movie and make it way less boring, according to your... I, well, I, there's, I mean, um, maybe. Maybe. Well, Tougher Grace, he... Apparently, he edited... The Lord of the Rings trilogy down to a single movie. Interesting. Yeah, so maybe I could do it, but I would rather just make instead of like the frames, just make make everything stills. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you would. You you do that for every movie, wouldn't you? I, I definitely do it for 2001: A Space Odyssey because it would be much different. Mm-hmm. But it'd be fun. So funny to see me do that with the part where like the dude's like walking like in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be way more boring than 2001. Not very much. <laughs> okay. Okay. What else should we talk about? Let's see. Oh, well, we haven't talked about the, the, the music yet. The score. <laughs> I didn't notice the score that much. Oh, like, God. I love the score um, because, like, it starts out and, you know, it's not what you expect from, like, a sci-fi action movie. It's 40s blues jazz mu- oh, music. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the text, you know, <laughs> really sets that, that mood. Yeah. You know, that melancholy, noir kind of mood. And it's all throughout the movie. The only time we don't hear it is at the end. <laughs> Where it's that weird rock song. Yeah. I'm like, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. That's fair. A producer must have made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> that song must have been made for the movie or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm like, well, you know, it would make sense if there was like more rock songs and then they wanted to sell the album of Free Jack, you yeah. know, at Warner Brothers or whatever records. 
Yeah. But they don't have that kind of music, you know. It's not rock music throughout. It's 40s noir, you know, blues jazz, which is, oh my God, it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. I remember the, um, there's the jazz player in the sort of like the park with all the, the homeless people and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the lone saxophone player. Yes, it's <laughs> wonderful. It's a wonderful little aside. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, like, it's so great because, and like, you hear it right off with the intro mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning, beginning of the movie. And it's so great because it's like, it goes from, like, melancholy to romantic to, like, action-packed. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of reminded me of the original soundtrack for the Mandalorian TV show. Hmm. <laughs> because, like, you know, that's all instrumentals, but it's, like, orchestral instrumentals. Hmm. And so it really reminded me of that. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it whenever people make decisions like that. Mm-hmm. It's much more interesting than just the techno sort of mm-hmm. futuristic. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And everything made in a synthesizer. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. But I, you know, I think that really kind of plays up to the cyberpunk part. Like, imagine a Blade Runner <laughs> with the blues jazz soundtrack. That would be hardcore. It'd be like Taxi Driver. Like Taxi, with a Taxi Driver soundtrack? Oh, freaking sick. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Taxi Driver yet, so. What? I know, I know. I'll have to I'll, I'll have to pick it or something. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you do your Star Trek marathon, I can do a Scorsese marathon. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. You watch um, you though. <laughs> no, I mean that's like one of Sierra's favorite movies. We can watch. We can watch Shutter Island. No, <laughs> I'm gonna pick my favorite Scorsese movies, which is Bringing Out the Dead. Okay. Okay. And I want to watch King of Comedy because I hear that's good. I haven't seen that. Okay. That works. Uh, and Taxi Driver and um, Silence. Okay. I haven't seen Age of Innocence or whatever that is, but mm-hmm. I've heard that's interesting. Okay. Anyways. 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 So the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. I didn't notice it too much, but I did notice the sax. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the sax. Well, if you don't notice the music, then that... They'll say, they say, then the music's doing its job. Yeah. But I noticed it for sure. I I loved it. One thing I remembered that I wanted to talk about. Uh-huh. This movie opens on Emilio Estevez's butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, his bare uh, thighs. <laughs> well, yeah, just his bare thighs, you know. Nothing's... Not, yeah, I mean, he's wearing underwear, but it's just like, yeah. that's an interesting choice. Just this huge, meaty thighs. Well, <laughs> so, I mean... I, I try to notice this for, for all the movies I watch. If I'm right, if I was paying attention, we don't get to know anybody's names until like way, you know, pretty deep into the movie. Mm-hmm. We don't like, I don't think I found Alex Furlong's name until like he goes to his old apartment and there's already somebody living there. And he goes, you know, who are you? I'm Alex Furlong. I don't think Rene Russo calls him by Alex, you know, at the beginning. And then that's also when we learn about Julie's name, when he says, Julie used to live here. Mm. I think we find out Brad's name. Like, I think he's the first name we, we learn about mm. because he, like, introduces Brad. You know, this is Brad to, to Julie, yeah. you know, at the very beginning. Or I, I, I think the first guy, I think the first guy he, that we learn the name of is actually, what is it? 
Hold on. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the first name that we find out is, you know, the one for Mick Jagger, which is Vicendak. <laughs> Victor Vicendak. <laughs> That's great. I don't know. I thought, didn't he... He didn't uh, Brad say his name when I introduced him to the. I don't think so. I think he. I think he was just like, yeah. You see this face? You know, he's clean cut, drug free. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't actually say his name. Hmm. But you know, also the rest of us calls the other guy. Okay, Mister Plug. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I noticed. Make sure you have the act, the characters. Call each other by their names at the very beginning of the movie, right when they're introduced. It is annoying though sometimes because sometimes uh, it it can be forced. So don't make it forced. I mean, it, don't I be mean, like if your movie doesn't need it. Like if there's a specific reason why we shouldn't know the names of these characters, but there's no reason why we shouldn't know the name of these characters in this movie. Yeah, but it, you just can't have people saying it's good to see you again, Stephen R. Pate. Well, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, you can just do the first name, like yeah. Hey, Alex, get up. We got to get ready for the, for the race. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's what I got to do. That's okay, true. Julie. That's all. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all you have to do. You sound like a writer or something. Gee, <laughs> what <laughs> so. oh, it, it, It's one of those things I take note of. <laughs> now that I know about movies and how to write, it's, it's definitely something I, I notice. Mm-hmm. Can we kind of make fun of the movie? <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know how to make fun of... I don't know where to start. <laughs> oh, whoa. oh, whoa. Let's start with the lobotomizer machine. <laughs> well, well, I can start before there. I can okay. start before there. Because Emilio Estevez, he's kind of a short king in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love him for it. I love him for it, but, but it's very funny because... At the beginning, when they're at the racetrack, mm -hmm. you know, you, did you notice it, Tim? Yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed. <laughs> so, you know, you have the, 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 the full two shot of him and Rene Russo. Rene Russo, she has like two inches on him. And then, and then it goes to the medium two shot, you know, back and forth. And I'm like, he, he's got to be on a, you know, on a quarter apple or something. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. there's not that much. Yeah, they... Yeah, they lifted him up. <laughs> I did notice that, yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to. Yeah. It's hard not to. I wonder, like, why they chose Emilio Estevez. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Oh! Well, I'm thinking of, again, the cool... I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm not making fun of it now. I'm thinking of um, Boone's character. When he freaking gets shot. And then he has this, this, he freaking pulls out the samurai sword like a badass and he just like slowly impales the guy. Yeah, which is the only time he uses that sword when he carries it halfway throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> they could have made Boone so much better than he was. For sure. Could have mm -hmm. so much more screen time. He could have been freaking, um, uh, like in, like in Strange Days. Oh, yeah. Uh, Angela Bassett. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anyways. Mm hmm. It was insane whenever they were trying to lobotomize him. And then he just goes around, like, zapping everyone. There's a lot of yeah. lightning bolts in this movie. A lot of lightning bolts. I, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I love that, that. Like, he was the one guy that they were trying to stun. And, you know, it winds up that everyone else but him gets stunned. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's silly. 
So. <laughs> oh, boy. I liked whenever they had the freaking Brad is showing him his apartment and um, he pulls down that wall of cardboard boxes and it's like his other apartment, his secret apartment. That was cool. That was very I'm cool. a sucker for hidden doors and trap doors. Mm. Oh, but one thing I did like, mm. this was a script thing that I liked. Brad's showing him into his private apartment and he hands him a hubcap and he's like, oh, you're, you're an antique ashtray. And then you see Brad looking at, at Estevez in the mirror. And watching him as as Estevez looks at the the hubcap, mm-hmm. and Estevez, oh, it's a sixty-two Porsche or sixty-four Porsche, and he's like, ah, it is you. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I, like, yeah. I, I like that little character test of like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. The, I like how they didn't make a big deal of it either. They just showed Brad mm-hmm. watching him, you know, sort of menacingly through the mirror. I thought that was a beautiful little device that they had. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Oh, David John Hansen, he's great. He's great in this movie. And on the script, I like that part mm-hmm. that they wrote into the script and yeah. the direction. Yeah. They didn't make a huge deal of it. They just, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's cool. Yeah, very subtle. I'm trying to think of other ways to make fun of it. Um, I mean, there's not that much. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's one line, I forget what he said, but I think it must have been ADR because Emilio Estevez just screams like two lines in like. In his larger line, mm-hmm. I forget. I think it was when they were on the track. Uh-huh. But it was like, he was just like, yeah, and then I went to the store, and, and then I got, got my groceries in, and then I <laughs> And I noticed the screams whenever um, there was a car chase. Okay. And they were like, people were dodging out of the way of the cars. They, they were, it wasn't like your cl- classic Willem screams. It was, mm-hmm. it was very much, <laughs> I don't know, it was just, the, the scream sounded ridiculous and, and fun. Mm-hmm. I like that they didn't reuse old mm-hmm. scripts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this movie. Okay. Okay. Costumes. Oh, oh the costumes are great. Okay. <laughs> I love Mick Jagger's costumes. I didn't like the helmets so much. The helmets were really. <laughs> <laughs> the helmets were pretty dumb. Well, well there was that one part where. Where he. Emilio Elizabeth kills one of the guards. Oh, well, well, just a little bit before that, because what's going on is Emilio Estevez, he's getting chased by Mick Jagger and the Bone Jackers, but he's also getting chased by Jonathan Banks' security forces, and the security forces are using handguns to try to actually kill Emilio Estevez, while the Bone Jackers are using stunners that shoot animated light, you know, energy pulses that stun people. And so, like, they wind up in this abandoned factory or, or, or something. Mm-hmm. And so Emilio Estevez is trying to hide from both. So he, there's this one bone jacker <laughs> and you know, he, he tries to get away. He, he tries to sneak up on him with a pipe and smacks him right on the helmet. It doesn't phase the guy at all. And Emilio Estevez hits his stunner out of his hands. So the guy, he's like really big and starts, you know, just wailing on, you know, Emilio Estevez mm-hmm. happens to hit him right next to the to the stunner, mm-hmm. but also there's electrical wires <laughs> just dangling. So Emilio Estevez gets the idea to just shoot the the cord that goes up and is dangling. The end of it is dangling by the guy, and that just absolutely electrocutes him. <laughs> yes. And so Emilio Estevez puts on but that ridiculous helmet. <laughs> it conveniently doesn't zap 
Estevez, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which mm-hmm. the guy is literally stepping on his arm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Well, he's got rubber boots. That's true, why. True. Okay, okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. It, it all makes sense. The rubber boots. It all, it makes, all sense. makes sense. Um, but yes, he, Elio, as Estevez puts on only the helmet. <laughs> yeah, and then you have Mick Jagger, who's trying to, like, find him and stalk him, so it's like a cat and mouse game, but he's wearing a ridiculous helmet, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely ludicrous. Like, they just could have made him a little bit smaller, and they would have looked a lot cooler. I mean, or, you know, just make it more curvier. I mean, like, it's just too bulky. It's just too big. It's just too noticeable. It's too big and too high up on their head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyways, they should. Well, I mean, Starship Troopers wasn't made yet, so <laughs> they they couldn't use the body armor and helmets from that for everything else. True. So, mm-hmm. but the helmets were dumb. Yes, very dumb. <laughs> but the costumes again were cool. I liked um, Mick Jagger's sort of dog tag clothing. I don't know. Oh, you you know the Epaulets. the the best costume, best costuming thing in in all of this movie. Mm. It, the eye patch glasses. Yes. That Isai Morales yes. wore. <laughs> I love that. You get a reveal that his eye patch. But he has both eyes. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> that was so dumb. I was like, what? Come on. At least give us like a grayed out eye or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but he did have scars on that side of his face. Yeah. But I mean, why not just go the extra mile and give him a gray eye? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're gonna say? What were you gonna say? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just love the the eye patch glasses. I like it too. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, another thing I kind of noticed was at the diner scene. Like, you know, you mentioned that Emilio Estevez, you know, he doesn't have a lot of range. But when he was at the diner scene, he was looking at that guy eating the blue plate special that he waited twenty minutes for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so um, Emilia, Emilia starts eyeballing him. So that's when he pulls out a pistol and he says, you know, keep looking at me. I'm going to shoot you or something like that. Yeah. And then Emilio Estevez, you know, he puts his own pistol on, you know, on the table. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he, he kind of leans in and, and gives that smirk. That's the Billy the Kid smirk from when he was in Young Guns. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. And like that's the only genuine emotion. <laughs> genuine looking emotion that we get from Emilio Estevez. Or whenever he uh <laughs> But there's another classic Emilio Estevez move. Whenever she slaps him and he just looks at him and then laughs in his face. <laughs> yeah. This is like a repo man move. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But his laugh is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm good. Okay, I think I'm good too. Do you want to talk about the Revolution Bar, the Zolly? <laughs> that was nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, for long, Estevez is at the bar waiting for, um, waiting for Julia, Julie. Oh, okay, let me go. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, so here's what happens. Uh, Julie has a friend, mm-hmm. okay? Morgan, his name is Morgan. Mm-hmm. And he's played by John Shea. And he played Lex Luthor in The Adventures of Lois and Clark with uh, Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. What the frick is that? That was a TV show in the 90s uh, about Superman. It was a okay. Superman TV show. But it's called The Adventures of Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. You know, like The Adventures of Lewis and Clark. So yeah. the Adventures, Superman, The Adventures of Lois and Clark. 
and he played Lex Luthor. Ooh, that's cool. He was also in a syndicated TV show called Mutant X, which is leg- legally distinguishable from the <laughs> X-Men and all related IP. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, so I love John Shea. He's he's awesome. He was pretty good in this. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a badass in this, but you don't expect it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he tosses that grenade in the middle of the bar and to get everybody out there. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay, but, but that's how, what, how, how John Shea is great. So what happens is Julie is talking to Morgan, and so... Emilio Estevez is sitting at the bar, and the bartender is like, hey, you want a drink? <laughs> he's <laughs> like, sure. And just, so the bartender just hands him the drink. He doesn't know what the drink it's is. This, it's this, like, blue liquid. It looks like Romeo and Al, But Yes. Have, yeah, okay. <laughs> he, go ahead. And he just downs the whole thing in, like, a few gulps. Uh-huh. And then immediately we get like this this change in facial expression like oh shit what have i done mm-hmm. he's then, getting high off a drink <laughs> yes and it's this awesome zolly which is a zoom out dolly in mm-hmm. shot where like the back background is getting closer or further or whatever and then mm-hmm. his face stays in roughly the same place and it's just like this psychedelic effect yeah. and it's just it's a cool shot but we know he's 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 now zooted as yeah, yeah. <laughs> the most <laughs> The most complicated shot in that movie. <laughs> Just to show that he's fucked up at a bar. <laughs> but but not the most useless Zolly that we've ever seen. That's true. That's true. Plenty of useless Zollies out there. Mm-hmm. Plenty yeah. of film students just itching to pull well, out that tool. Well, that review of that Christian movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! No, oh, I love useless lollies. We have so many movies we could watch, Stephen. So many movies What's we could that? watch. I know, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that was Free Jack. I mean, yeah. Hey, you want to talk about anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I I think we got to everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a five minute head start. One, One Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Also, though, like that was weird. That was a weird decision. Mm-hmm. Like, why would Victor do that? You know, well, he respects. He, you know, he respects. He respects. You know, Emilio Estevez for the chase. You know, That's true. You know, he's Grandma's hero. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, uh, one other thing, though, that we haven't talked about is the suicide assistant ads. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a theme in a lot of of dystopian movies. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it reminds me of Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, a Robert W. Chambers story called The Repair of Reputations. Mm-hmm. And Robert W. W. Chambers, he started out as like a romance writer, a mm-hmm. romance author. And and then he wrote horror. He he did the King in Yellow stories. Okay. Do you know about the King in Yellow? No. The King in Yellow, in the universe of his stories, is a play that is so horrific and terrible that uh, when you read it, it alters your mind, and you play out as these characters, and then um, you eventually kill yourself or, hmm. or, or die in some way. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big, that was a huge influence on H.P. Lovecraft. 
and his Cthulhu mythos. So the King Inilo is usually, you know, it's also a part of the Cthulhu mythos as well. But the thing is, is like in the repair of reputations, you find out that it's like an alternate universe because uh, there are like suicide booths. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's old, old. Like, yeah, yeah. And then the biggest movie to have suicide booths is Soylent Green, which we are definitely watching. <laughs> that's an, I, I genuinely love that movie. Hmm. But yeah, that's the big movie about, you know, that has suicide booths. But the thing is, is like, uh, yeah, there are ads advertising like suicide assistance, mm-hmm. um, but they're like big, huge TV screens mm-hmm. on, on skyscrapers. Uh, so, you know, it kind of foretells like what we have to deal with here, but it also reminds me of like Blade Runner. It's like a cheaper version of what they tried to do in Blade Runner with like the huge Atari ad, you know, or the, the geisha woman mm-hmm. in Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting so, themes though, that just everything is crap. Yeah. Everything <laughs> is shit in the yeah. future. Yeah. Very dystopian. I did like, it was weird, but it generally like freaked me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whenever um, the hooded cult high priest is like talking, mm-hmm. and then he turns around and it's Emilio Estevez, <laughs> yeah, like that actually was like, oh whoa, and then he like disappears into like electric like yeah, the video, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. That is a neat little thing. Mm-hmm. I like this sort of mysticism. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of mysticism in movies in general. Well, well, the thing is, is like this movie isn't mystic at all. It's science and technology and corporatism. Mm-hmm. taking over the symbols of yes. mysticism for profit. Yeah. Basically. I thought that was, I don't know, I just like it as, a, as an idea. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool. Yeah. But that is, it, it's, it's fun. It's just a fun idea is these spiritual switchboard mm-hmm. and uploading your consciousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been an idea that's been around for a while, but it's, it never gets old. It can be endlessly used, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say that this movie, it's, it's adapted very loosely from a 1959 science fiction novel called Immortality, Inc. by Robert Sheckley. So, who knows, maybe the book is able to cover more of the themes that, you know, got lost in this movie. I was, yeah, I mean, I saw that in the beginning, too, that it was based on the book. And it does, it does feel like there's more thought that went into, like, the minutia of certain things. Mm-hmm. Like whenever there's this machine in the beginning that that um, Furlong gets teleported into, and I noticed that you know it gets elevated into the air, and I was like, oh, that must be because he's in the air as he dies. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's cool. Yeah. They have to have they have to be at the exact coordinates. I was like, yeah. I wonder if that's something that was in the book. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting detail. Oh no, no, no! That's from the time machine. The time machine, like the the H. movie, G. Wells? yeah, uh, yeah uh, they made. Oh, hold on, <laughs> let me pull up the info. You had to be in the exact same place and and location in in order to teleport, or what? Yeah. Okay, so the time machine was a 1960 movie that was based off of the story by a novella by H. G. Wells, and the movie um, has Rod Taylor. As the time traveler, okay? And so he invents um, a time machine, and it can go forwards and backwards in time, but not in space. Mm. So, like, in the movie, he stays where he's at and he's going through time. And so, like, across the street from him is, like, a storefront. 
And so, like, as his house is, like, it, it, I think it's, like, taken away or something. I don't remember. But, like, across the street is a storefront. And so you see the, the window mannequin changing fashions from the 1800s through the 1960s and then on ahead. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that idea, though, that there's, it's, it just makes it more, feel more real. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. there is, it's not just it can, a machine that can get you anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. It has limits of, it has a limits and, and, a, and a restrictive logic. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it was cool that you could almost feel certain things were bolstered by a backstory from the book, it felt like, mm-hmm. in, in this movie, Free Jack. Yeah. With, with like, with like um, the terms and words that they probably would have may, maybe not have like come up with mm-hmm. um, had it been just the screenplay or something. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> the book was written in 1959. So they're not calling anybody Free Jacks or Bone Jackers. <laughs> That's all Blade Runner stuff. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I gotta just love to see somebody from the 1950s use cyber, cyberpunk lingo. <laughs> <laughs> Could be cool. You mm-hmm. never know. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Mm-hmm. Okay, well... That was free, Jack. <laughs> that was what? Is this movie three? This is movie three in our Estevez. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In our mm-hmm. Estevez marathon. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the next is your pick. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be an Estevez movie. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe maybe we can we can take a break from the Estevez. We have Men at Work still. We have to watch, right? Yeah. I'm debating. I'm debating. I'm okay. debating. I'm debating. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Cool beans, well. Okay. All right, well, let's end this episode. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well, I love this... talking about Free Jack, but all good things must come to an end. <laughs> that, was, that was Free Jack, mm-hmm. and this was your movie, my movie. Mm-hmm. With Dan. And Steve. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, and we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye now. Take care, guys. Uh, but before we go, guys, uh, we have a Patreon page. Dan, why don't you tell them about it? We have a few tiers. Tier one is our newsletter in the PDF form. You can read along on our opinion pieces about various topics. Very fun. What's on the next tier, Steve? Well, the next tier is the $5 tier, Mm -hmm. where subscribers can listen to an audio version of the newsletter. So if you guys want to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash yourmoviemymoviepodcast. We'd appreciate it. Bye, guys. Bye.